Uh, good morning here. We are live on What Are You Watching podcast um, special episode. Hunter, he's been busy. He's making excuses. He's here. He's there. He's moving. We get it. But we are introducing not only a special guest, special co-host, and first-time recurring guest, Mr. Tom Derby. Hey, guys. Uh, you may remember me from the Lost episode where we debated Lost characters and DirecTV commercials from the 2010s. Um, I'm back. Happy to talk about friends. We are tonight's entertainment. I'm not going to stop the wheel. I'm going to break the wheel. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubble. Oh. Oh Duh. Back, man. It's Game of Thrones is back. Like, oh. Game yeah, of Thrones. It, it stormed the world without, it was so unsuspecting. I think a lot of people knew House of Dragon was coming out, even Game of Thrones fans. And up until maybe that Friday before Sunday, it was just another show. It was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Game of Thrones show. But when it became Friday and then especially Sunday, I was like, oh my God, it's real. And everyone turned on their TV at nine o'clock and you yep. saw that tweet in New York where like all the apartments were flashing at the same time. It's like, oh, it's back. And then we came out swinging and haven't stopped since, honestly. Yeah, it's been really good. I'm a bit like, I, I, I haven't really found a flaw, you know? Like the taste of season eight, however you feel, even if you're like super anti-season eight, I don't know how you can enjoy this show right now. It's no, so- it, and they did a great job of washing away season eight because when I thought of a prequel or a, or a spinoff, sorry, I thought the show would be so different just based in Westeros, based in this world. Like I thought it might be mythical. I mean, it might be like a buddy cop thing, might follow one character. But basically what they did is restarted Game of Thrones in a different time period and just made it about this other story that's a little more internal more about a family it's the same thing it is the same exact thing as game of thrones people are fighting for the iron throne oh yeah and like this is the targaryen family man like this is what game of thrones this is the fire of the fire and ice and i think we saw the end of the fire part at the last episode when drogon burns down the iron throne and danny dies and this is like the beginning of the end this is how this incredibly powerful house starts to unravel Right, because in the show Game of Thrones, we mostly hear about the Targaryens, and all we know is Danny, and her brother dies early. I mean, we also know John, but we really only know Danny, and uh, it's like more of a story about the Targaryens and how they ruled. And now we're seeing seeing how they ruled, and but mostly we're clearly starting to see the downfall of this family and uh, the generational conflict that is so internal and it's just starting to slowly collapse. We're here and um, we're talking about episode seven, House of Dragon, named Driftmark. Um, I think me and Thomas both already agreed that this is the best episode to date. Um, I think for many reasons and most viewers could probably agree. Um, it started, I would say about the first 30 minutes was classic Thrones. We're getting conversations we're getting looks we're getting politicking it's quiet it's going on and then right when it hits that 30 minute mark i mean it flips and, and five things happen after that so it was a good 50 50 split yeah it was really good i also really enjoy like you know like the main houses but there's like a hundred smaller houses that also have like such a rich history given by george R. R. martin so it was cool to see the valerons like the sea snake like them do that funeral and everything and how they're different from the Targaryens, even though they're the same culture, was cool. Yeah, I think the Valerian family is a very interesting one, and we're getting more of it. And after this episode, I think we're going to get even more of it because I think there's a new battle for a throne, the Driftwood throne. Um, with the conversation with um, uh, the queen who never was, Rhaenys, and her husband, um, too many names. Corlys, the Corlys Valerian, the Sneesake. They're having a conversation about who's going to inherit the Iron Throne. Is it Rhaenyra's kids who are clearly bastards and not her son, Laenor's kids? Or do we give it to the daughters of Daemon and um, his wife, who was a Valerian? 
So I think there's going to be a bit of a battle for that throne as well. And we're going to get a lot more of this family and a lot more of this uh, castle. Yeah. And I really like the opening and that conversation. You really understand like who this sea snake is like his motives are like, he's, if you look at like episodes one and two, where he's, you know, being insubordinate to the King to him now where he's kind of seen that he has a chance at power. So he's right. become so much more of a team player. And you just see, like, it's cool to see his, like, total motivation. Because a lot of this is, like, we don't know why people are doing what they're doing yet. Right. And it was cool to, like, see, like, okay, this is how he's going to act for probably the rest of the show. Yeah, you're right. In the beginning, he was insubordinate. And now he's, like, he's purely a power guy. Mm -hmm. What is the pursuit of power? If it's not for legacy or something, he says. He's clearly about, and he's making it about his wife when it's, clearly all about him and this fight for power so you're right he he has shifted a lot and um it's it's interesting to see his motives and i do want to bring this up so you know there's there's team green and team black or team red um and i can't tell where all the valerians are gonna side so now that lenor is allegedly dead according according to the parents um they have no ties to team red except for their grandkids uh damon's kids so, you know, there's been some shots, especially at the end of that fight, where uh, the Snee Snake is kind of holding Rhaenyra, and he's kind of on that side. But as motives and tides change, I could totally see him as a middle player here. Yeah, and, you know, like, Game of Thrones, you can flip. Just because yeah. you're on team, team Black or Team Green to start doesn't mean you have to finish that way. Um, and I think he's definitely someone that, like, does it could be fun to do comparisons of like these characters to the original shows and i would say like corley's has a lot of tywin lannister in him for sure like i'm gonna let these this play out but i'm very smart and i'm very competent um i like him man he's one of my favorite characters so far yeah i like corliss a lot i like the castle of driftmark um i kind of like the whole idea behind the valerians and like yeah not a spoiler uh, but like the Valerians do not exist in Game of Thrones as we know it in the show. So um, we hear they nothing do. about Driftmark. We hear nothing. Do they? They, they, they serve, do. They serve a stand. They fight with Stannis. Yeah. In the okay. books. I don't, I don't think they're, they're not a big deal though. Okay. So that, that helps. I mean, I know they don't exist in the show, but I worry because as of now, they're the richest family and Lannisters are the second richest. And we know the Lannisters become the richest family. Um, so I worry about what this war is going to do to this family in the future. Um, I mean, all of these families. Um, but moving on, I wanted to do this little, in case you missed it bit, um, you know, we got a lot of characters and like, even as I speak, like I know the characters names, but as I start doing it and I'm looking at dragon, like I start to forget things. So it's hard to pick up on stuff. Um, so I wanted to take a look at the dragons and where we're at. So we have, let's go start with team black. Um, we have Rhaenyra riding Cyrax. And then we have Jason Luke, the kids of Rhaenyra, who ride Vermax and Arax. And then you have Damon, who rides Caraxes, the Bloodworm. All right, so that's a clear four dragons on their side. Um, would have been five with Laenor and Sea Smoke, but he is gone. So then on Team Green, you have a clear three dragons. And that's Vagar, who Aemon rides, Sunfire, who Aegon rides, Dreamfire, who uh, Helena rides. All right, so that's three there. And then you have two middle dragons as of now and that's melees uh the red queen ridden by rainies and then moon dancer who is ridden by um bela targir bela i believe is her so name. that that is um one of damon's daughters yes yes so one of damon's daughters i would say that's probably five for the blacks then yes well yeah because she is damon's daughter you're right you can give five to the blacks and then three to the reds and then I'm, I'm Rainey's the Red Queen. She gave a dirty look to Rhaenyra early in the episode. Um, and I don't know where that Valyrian family is going to go. But I love the dragons. Yeah. Yeah. The dragons have been great. Um, I'll add a little lore. Like, Vagar is like a very famous, powerful dragon at this point. Like, Vagar was one of, like, Aegon the Conqueror, the Targaryen that conquered all of Westeros. Vagar was one of his dragons. And so, like, the lore is the older the dragon gets, just the larger and more powerful. And they just never stop growing. Um, 
And Vagar's like 190 years old at this point and is a giant. So, like, Amon's little speech, I lost an eye, but I got Vagar. Yeah. Was like, yeah, you're right. I take that trade. Yeah, I, I guess we can. I'll jump into Helena a little bit. We'll just jump into that scene because um, I did see that in, in the behind the episode or whatever it's called. Um, they're just saying like the dragon's life cycle is basically they keep growing until they die. Like they never stop getting bigger. I mean, and they show the scale of Vagar very, very well. And he is crusty and he lays around all day. And you can tell when he takes off, like he's he's towards the end of it. I mean, I don't know how long dragons live, but you can tell he's battle ridding. I mean, he conquered Westeros and he's been through a lot and he is massive right now. He's a massive dragon. He's a big boy. He's a big boy. Yeah, so in that scene, I mean, I thought it did it justice to what it for what it means to claim and ride a dragon. Um, in season eight, Game of Thrones, John just kind of like hops on the dragon after petting its nose, and it's like yeah. this one we see like the fear, the highs, and then like the high of getting on it um, as Aemon kind of he uses his Valyrian language, and then he mounts, he rides the, takes the rope up and. He holds on. He passes the test. Yeah. And you see, like, immediately how different he is when he gets confronted by Damon and his kids. Like, he's he's still like, it's me, motherfuckers. I'm very, he's, he becomes so confident and, like, becomes pretty much who Amon Targaryen is remembering. I, I, yeah, no, I think that's good to know. And a lot of people would miss that, that two episodes ago, he had one major insecurity and was very shy. And it's because he didn't have a dragon and they teased him about it. It was a major insecurity. Not only does he have a dragon now, he has the biggest dragon in the world. And I worry for everyone who's going to be in his way in the future, especially now that he's eye patched. Yeah. I worry for Westeros as a whole, man. That's it's a ten year old kid with a nuclear bomb. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and it's um I think he's he's definitely a threat and something that like I I maybe saw in a YouTube video but they talk a lot about second sons and like second sons being a big deal in Game of Thrones and obviously the first son will inherit whatever is given to them and the second son gets nothing um and you see that with Damon and his brother Viserys is the fucking king and Damon is like has nothing he's this loner-ish troubled man and it's like I think the second sons get troubled create yeah. issues and um could you imagine being troubled and having that thing at your side <laughs> now look at uh larry's too the um the strong kid that yes his family alive second son right and it, you see it a lot and like when you pick up on the second son is there laris uh yeah <laughs> he's something right now and uh yeah, i think his so. motives he's one we talked about corliss his motives are being pretty clear that he wants the iron throne Laris's motives are probably the most muddied, most confusing. Is it is it Allison he wants? He got he got Harrenhal. Is it Chaos yeah. he wants? We don't know what he really wants. So I, I won't spoil anything, but I've read these books and a large the, the way the books are written, um, for those of you that don't know, it's it's more of like a telling one of the maesters of the Citadel is writing this book, telling the history from different historical accounts. So nothing's confirmed, but basically everyone single account that he goes through was wondering what Larry's actual motivations were the whole time. And no one knows. And I really hope they really go explore it because he's a really interesting character. He's scary. He's a spooky guy, man. When he smiles at Allison, I'm like, (laughs) dude, no, I'm glad that's in the books because yeah. they they make it clear through the acting and the storytelling. It's like, oh, this dude might just be insane. Like the way he smiles at her, the way he just killed his family. Like, how does he know this information? Um, it's a good question. Does he have spies? Is he magical? Is he a green seer is what they called, uh, where he can warg into animals? Um and rats specifically, which we see a lot in the show. There's a lot of rats uh, throughout yeah, the show. So that's good catch, man. I haven't noticed that, but that's that's a good catch. Um, but I, if you want to know a little bit about Larry's, I would watch episode two, and he has one speaking line in that. But he is in so much of the background. Um, like I noticed him in reading the books. I was like, oh, this guy's going to be a big character. 
And I noticed him like in every scene with his cane kind of hunched over, just listening to every conversation. So if yeah. you want, if you want to get like a good Larry's vibe, if you're going back for a rewatch already, episode two during the hunting scenes, he is always in the background. Yeah. So the hunting scene is when all the women are discussing, the woman has the pug, um, Allison's working on her early politics, being a queen. You kind of mm-hmm. see Laris just like eating a cookie. Like that's what it is. He like bites a cookie and he's like, he says something to Allison. I think is what you're referring to. He's like, when no one listens, you learn to observe. Like when no one hears, you learn to observe. So he might just be the all hearing ear. And I love his character. And he's like, he's an OG classic Thrones character that we need. Yeah. He's like, uh, maybe a little bit of like, varies but like ramsey bolton too yeah there there are a lot of parallels between the show and then there's some where it's like he's a little bit like this one and then you add the most twisted character in game of thrones and you may we might have that's what we might have with him yeah and then it's cool too because we get like characters like damon who's just like we haven't had a damon before like damon's totally unique so it's fun to have like a just a different character yeah and i think this has been known throughout um a lot of the writers and creators talk about like this gray character, right? Game of Thrones did it best. And for the first time I've ever seen two show, no main character, no real hero. Mm-hmm. But there's good people you root for. In this show, who the hell are you rooting for? Everyone's gray, right? No one's good. No one's bad. There's a reason, and that's why I love the first five episodes. There's a reason some of these characters do these bad things. And then you see the redeeming qualities and you're like, you're conflicted and you don't know who you want to win. Um, and that's what might make this show so good because you yeah. can observe from such a neutral standpoint almost. Yeah, it's definitely, this conflict is very, I, I think we'll, we'll talk about it, but I think the scene where Amon loses his eye and the King's kind of giving out justice for this whole event. And it's the sides of like, it splits into two sides, almost like a battle's about to take place. And you can look at it from both sides. I think this story is telling it a little bit from Rhaenyra's side. Correct. Um, and I like just like what I'm reading on social media is Allison gets a lot of hate, and Allison is far from perfect. But if you look at that scene from her point of view, her son just got hit, his eye poked out when he got ganged up on by four people. And Viserys is very like, "Oh, we'll get to the bottom of this." And the moment he finds out someone insulted Rhaenyra, right. he's like, "I need justice," you know. So it's clear like Viserys has a clear favorite, and that like really isn't fair to Allison or her family. We're also like, that's, that's Viserys kid too, that just lost an eye. Um, but he's more upset that someone insulted his daughter. Yeah. It, it's a good point. Um, and Rhaenyra is clearly his favorite. And I do think Rhaenyra is shown as the main character as she's set to inherit the iron throne. Um, but just like every other character, Rhaenyra isn't perfect. And I think a lot of these non-perfect characters are burdened and it's like, I'll tie this into the um, the scene after his eye gets cut out. It's like, it's this generational conflict, right? So Rhaenyra and Alicent would never really hate each other if it wasn't for their parents, right? Alicent would have never married the king if it wasn't for Otto. And it's like, all of these things would have never happened if it wasn't for the parents. And then guess what? Rhaenyra and Alicent's kids now hate each other and yeah. are fighting without knowing why. And that goes back not to just their parents, to their grandparents. So it's like this conflict, everyone wanting more power, everyone wanting the throne, has traumatized and created issues between two generations now. And we're seeing that play out. Um, and I think it played out so well in the with the fighting of a family. It was a family fighting in that room. It was, yeah. It was a, the worst family reunion ever. Like... Wasn't yeah. great, but yeah, you're right. It's the generations. And like George R. R. Martin, I think like he's like a tragedy writer. Like that's what he's always been. Like he writes these like tragedies, brother versus brother, you know, son versus father. Uh and that's what he's really good at. So like he's the fact that he concocted like what's so impressive is he concocted this as a backdrop on yeah. here for his seven, well, five of seven uh series books. Like that's, and this story is so, has so many layers and there's, it's awesome. Like it's so impressive. 
I, I always forget that someone made this up. And not only this wasn't their story. This was a lore based like story of this family. It's crazy. Yeah, there is there. I, I really, if you're listening, I really implore you to like explore the lore. That's there's stuff that's not even in the books. Like there's, there's so much stuff out there that you could read about. It's like, it's really cool. Yeah. And I forget that it's fake a lot. Like it's legitimately, yeah. I get so invested in it and I watch these YouTube videos. Like I'm reading historical accounts. He's like, Oh, actually, King Viserys is 43 years old. Oh, that's real? Oh, that's real. You didn't make that up. That's that's real. It's fact, yeah. It's fact. That's it's just like whole, it's just so detailed. Uh, and I think he did a, well, I think the showrunners did a great job of the show. It mm-hmm. seems like they're staying honest and true to the books, but also a little bit of creative change and making it a good TV show. Oh, yeah. I, again, like, it's been such a joy, like, Thrones is back a hundred percent. Absolutely. No, it is. It's so back. Like I'm watching, I want to watch at nine. I mean, it's iffy with football, but I'm watching on Sunday, no matter what. Yeah. I'm watching on Sunday. I'm watching on Sunday. The way, the way, the way my fantasy football season's gone. I, I, <laughs> I feel that it's like, you know, if you don't watch on Sunday or Monday, you're done. Like I'm, I, I have full right to tell you what happened. You lost your oh, chance. Yeah. This oh, is yeah. like basically a cable TV. It is cable. I want that done the night of or the morning next. I, I got to get the conversation going ASAP. Yeah. 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 It's, oh man, it's, it's so fun to watch. We were talking about this, but I do feel like the audience knows a lot more spoilers than knew about Game of Thrones. Um, I don't know like if you feel like that's true or not, but like what I'm seeing on social media is a lot of people like tweeting or instagram posts about major events that are gonna happen right uh and that never happened with game of thrones like no one knew john was gonna die unless you read the books spoiler alert if you haven't watched it Um, yeah i feel like i feel like a lot of people know some of the huge things that happened we were talking about a spoiler earlier that you found out you didn't yeah but i don't think anyone really had a lot spoiled for them i don't know why that maybe it's just everyone's on their phones more and but it's interesting it is something to think about. And I think with Thrones spoilers, right? Like, I I didn't start watching till 7, right? So, like, I didn't start watching live till 7, and then I watched 8. Um, and I knew nothing. Maybe I knew Tyrion was still alive because, like, I clearly could remember the little guy was still there, right? Like, um, and I knew John was alive because it had already happened, and it was, like, a cultural event that he was alive. But, like, I feel like as they were coming out, and even in season eight, dude, I knew nothing. I knew no spoilers. Yeah. I feel like people just didn't whisper about them. Now, with this, I don't know if people are entitled the way the internet works changed in the past few years. But you can't read comments. You can't open things up. Like, you cannot yes. read this House of Dragon tweet any further than the face value tweet. you got to be careful. Because it's there now. I think it's like a guilty pleasure of people like, well, I know what happens. I'm going to tell you. It's like, no, you, you don't have you don't have to tell me because I don't want to know. I want to watch the show as blind as possible. Yeah, no, that's it's very true. It's, it's fun to watch it blind. Or like We talked about the tears. Right? I don't know if you want to get into that. But like, it's either like you want to know the books or I want to know nothing at all. Like, I want to know all the details and watch this play out or just go in completely blind spoiler yeah, no, like, uh, I was talking to us about this earlier. There's, like, tears to watching Game of Thrones, right? So you can, like we said, this book is a lore book to help booster up the world. It's a world-building book, basically. But it does tell a story. But it's basically, like, creating more about this Targaryen family. Um, But for me, it's like, when I watch a show, I want to learn as much as I can. So I watch YouTube videos after my guy, Alt-Shift-X, and I'll learn all about the dragons and all about everything I possibly can. And then watch the show without getting it spoiled by any means. But that next episode, I have such a deeper knowledge of what's really going on. Maybe I notice smaller hints of the eyes or smaller conversations. That doesn't mean that's the only way to watch house of dragon. You can level down and pay attention very well. Um, and still enjoy the show. You can look at your phone and still enjoy Eamon riding the dragon and the, queen pulling a knife on the blonde girl you can literally talk like that you can talk like that and still enjoy the show and you can also watch the books and know every detail and know what's going to happen and enjoy the show it's just like 
it's for everyone. And that's why, like you said, Game of Thrones is back. Every household's watching it for a reason because it's for everyone. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, like, where you are is the where you want to be watching this. I, I think knowing, I know, like, knowing, reading the book, I think you know a little too much, like, yeah. to be shocked by things or anything. But I think, like, where you are is the perfect spot. You know all the lore, but then you're going to be in for quite the ride. Yeah, um, it's like when I finished watching Tenet, right? Like, whatever you think about Tenet, I me and my friends discussed it for 45 minutes and then we watched YouTube videos and we figured it out. And it's like, ah, it, it just made it better. Like the more, you know, the more it enhances your view and experience. Do you need to know everything? No. Do you need to know the cities and the houses and the dragon names? No, but it enhances your viewing experience. It just, it's yeah. just an extra cherry on top and it's there for you. Yeah. It's, it's great. Everyone's enjoying it. It's funny you say that because I think that was the line, like, the showrunners on season eight were like, we wanted to make sure that everyone could enjoy, but like everyone can enjoy what, what game of Thrones is, you know, this is what it is. Like it's, it's these great houses fighting for power. It's these scenes in a throne room with two characters talking smugly. Like, yeah. It's that's what Thrones is, you know, you know, they went back to the roots and I, um, I do want to talk about the scene, which I felt was very root based, like OG Thrones kind of, and that's, I'll call it the funeral cocktail party, mm-hmm. um, which is our opening scene is the burial of Lena, um, which I, which was actually really cool and like felt really ceremonial and, but like, once again, it's all made up, um, but it felt so real and very powerful, honestly. And then we have this cocktail party um, and I just thought it was like they talk about it in behind the show, behind the scenes, whatever. It's like a play, right? So all of these looks, all of these conversations are happening at once. And it's like, I don't think Rhaenyra, Damon, Viserys, I don't think any of the main people talked for like 10 minutes and we were just getting the looks and side eyes. So like, I, I don't know what you thought about that scene. I thought it was pretty powerful. Yeah, it was definitely like, you, you would never think these people are almost all related to each other. Right. Um, and it's also... I. Was there was there a character that wasn't in that scene, like a main character? Uh, everyone at the funeral was in that scene for I, sure. I think pretty much, yeah, pretty much everyone that we've met so far that's not dead. So I don't think we ever got that in the original show. Maybe the King's Landing when they brought the White Walker, but th- that was it. Yeah, um, and it was really cool. Like, just you're right. It's like a play. There's so many conversations, and you could have chosen any one of those convos, and it would have been pretty entertaining. I think to see like what everyone's thinking. Yeah, some things to note in that scene. Um, I kind of added this in mind in case you missed it. So um, we get Helena, who is the daughter of um, King Viserys and uh, Queen Alicent, right? Um, mm-hmm. And she's looking at the spider, right? So in episode six, she's doing her weird, creepy whispers. And Helena is a Targaryen dreamer, which we see a little bit with King Viserys in the Royal Hunt. He looks in the fire. He's kind of sees things. Basically, the Targaryen dreamer says, I know him. It's kind of like these untrustworthy dreams that show cryptic messages, but it's it's true, but you can't really see how it's true and why it's true, but the trueness is in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and she says, Allison's complaining, Amen's like, stop looking at these creatures. Stop trying to ride these dragons. Funny enough, now she's definitely happy to have a dragon. Yeah. Um, and Helena's like, who ride a dragon? He's just going to have to close one eye, right? That happened in episode six, yeah. episode seven. He gets his eyes sliced off. Great foreshadowing, great dreaming, showing that she's a dreamer. Um, I did want to note that because I thought that was an amazing detail. Now, in this episode, at the cocktail party, um, Eamon and Aegon are complaining, saying how weird she is, or Aegon saying how weird she is, talking about the spider. And he's like... Eamon's like, I would have married her. You know, my mother said it. And Aegon's like, I don't want to. And basically, he's like, they very quietly and subtly said that he's going to marry his sister because Allison told him to. So it's something to note. Yeah, definitely. Like, that's, again, that's something that you pick up on, you know, and it's like, whoa. And that's just like a little subtle layer that's making the show great, you know? Right. And guess what? If you didn't notice, it's okay because next episode, they're probably going to get married and you're going to be like, they're getting married. But in this episode, you notice that there was the conversation about it. Um, so I did want to note that that conversation happened. Um, and then we got a good 
Damon to Otto saying the leech, you know, no matter how fat the leech gets, he always comes back for a second meal. And I love that that conflict is back. Oh, yeah. Otto plays the Game of Thrones. He is like the stereotypical, like, Otto plays the Game of Thrones. Everyone knows Otto plays the Game of Thrones, but he's good at it. So you can't really stop. Yeah, I, I, uh, Otto trying to like really at the end of the episode being like, Allison, we're a team. They'll sketch him out a little bit. So like, I don't know. I'm worried about him pushing too hard now that he's got a second chance. Um, yeah. Not only is it him wanting the throne, his daughter's involved. And, you know, like I said, with this generational thing to Otto, his daughter's always been a pawn to get the throne. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's going to continue. It's interesting that the way Otto talks, like every other character doesn't talk about open war or like they know there's a conflict, right? And there's going right. to, they don't like say that there's going to be a fight. Otto is like, Vagar's on our side for the war now. Like Otto, is, even like when he left King's Landing, he was like, there's going to be a war and whenever Viserys dies. So he's like the only one that's like ready for conflict. He's, he's been ready for it for 20 years. He knows yeah, you make a good point. His family, but he is like so in tune with what's about to happen that he's. I think it's like one of the big reasons his family's going to have a chance. No, that's a great point. He is ready for it, and he has been ready for it. And I know why. This war is his fault. If he never pushes Allison, this never happens. Yeah, it never happens. Um, so so he's prepared for for a reason because he started it. But you're right. Yeah. He did. He's like we got Vagar, and even. Amon's like we got Vagar. I may have lost an eye, but we got Vagar. So like everyone's starting to gear up for this war. And initially, when I started the show, Hunter's like, "There's gonna be a war." I was like, "Dude, enough with like you're obsessed with war. Like I don't think there's gonna be a war. There's gonna be a war. There, they they are set. They made side names. There's greens and there's blacks, and <laughs> there's gonna be a war. It's gonna be real quick. Greens or blacks? Yeah, it's hard. It's hard to be team greens, and I'm I'm a team yeah. black. So yeah. go ahead and yeah. say it. Um, I mean, look, this is probably like judging by the first seven episodes. If I just watched that, I, I, I don't think you could be a green, but I'm a, I'm a <laughs> yeah, man. I look, there's laws. I think the whole, the whole argument with the greens is we have to obey the law or else this is the series became the king because everyone obeyed the law. And now it's the law that Aegon becomes king and Aegon's not going to be a great king. But, like, that's the way it goes. And, like, that's pretty much, like, everyone talks about what keeps this thing together. And I, like, like, Stannis. Stannis is big thing every time he talks, even though he was a very boring character in the show. It's like, it's the law that keeps everyone together. And that's how I feel about the Greens. They're like, it's kind of like, you know that you know that meme with um, Hannibal Burris on the Eric Andre show? Why are you booing me? I'm right. That's yeah. how I feel about the Greens. Like, you guys are just assholes about it. You got Christian Kroll on your team. Like cut him off, you know. Yeah. That's like that's like when an NFL player does something horrible, and the team it's like it's like having Deshaun Watson on your team. Like I can't root for you guys. You know what right. I'm saying? Like you got such a bad guy on your team. No, let's cut out the fat, and then maybe I will root for you. Yeah, yeah. Like get this guy off your team. I get he's like a knight of the king's guard or whatever, but you can pick someone up on the free agent market. You know. Yeah, there's there's some better options than Laris and Kristen Cole. Yeah, yeah. I'm T. Laris. I like Laris, but. Fuck <laughs> Yeah, no, Kristen's the most hateable character. Um, this is like the Greens and Allison specifically are, like you said, there are rules for a reason. Allison embodies rule follower, right? She yeah. did her duty. I married the king. I popped out three kids to this one-handed gross man. I did all these things. I deserve something. I'm entitled to something. So I think those both kind of embody each other, um, Allison's yeah. behavior and how the Greens are. Yeah. Um, but I like that. I like that you represent. There's rules. There's rules. There's rules and we gotta follow them. Why are you booing me? I'm right. That's what I just said. Why are you booing me? I'm right. Yeah. So the, the funeral cocktail party. I mean, we get a few other looks. I think, which was clearly indicating to me a big foreshadowing. Rainies and Rhaenyra. No words. Rainies just stares at her. Rhaenyra like quickly takes a drink, because episode two, I believe. Um, they have a conversation about you know, being a woman in this position or whatever. And like, you're like, Rainey's is going to support her. Well, Rhaenyra got put Rainey's son in danger by creating bastards and 
will inherently push him away. So I think she's not happy that her daughter's dead. And she's definitely not going to be happy when her son is dead. And I think she's going to put it on her. So I, I, uh, I want that look was pretty, was pretty uh, dangerous. That's very sketchy that they got. They didn't even wait till, you know, they didn't have it. Like it was immediate. Right. Um, but I love the way like they show the way Damon and Rhaenyra are thinking. Like I want them to think it was us. Like they oh, want right. Like we did this because it's kind of like if we're going to do this for the throne, what else could we do? Oh, correct. Know? Yeah. At the end of the episode, um, when they're kind of intercutting between uh, Lenor escaping and Damon's conversation with Rhaenyra, I like that. It's like we're powerful if everyone thinks we killed them. Yet yeah. in our hearts, we know we're better people. Maybe even for the viewers, you know, now we'll support them because we think they're better people. But they're like, damn, these this they yeah. might be a powerful couple. And let's talk about it. They got married at the end episode. I loved the wedding. I thought it was like super oh. cool, old Valyria. I thought it was powerful, honestly. Um, they're dangerous. I think they're a dangerous power couple. That's a Targaryen power couple, man. That's like, that's dragons, that's incest, just Game of Thrones. You know, that's the two words you can use to describe it. They they embody it. Yeah, dragons and incest, and like also they both. I think Damon. So Damon, when he was gone, he wanted to get away from it all. It was clearly overwhelming him. He 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 was relaxed in Pentos. He was like reading his shit. I think this is going to invigorate him and create a fire under him. And I think Mm -hmm. we're going to see some dangerous, dangerous Damon. And I think Rhaenyra is really starting to show her politicking power. And I think. I think they're going to be dangerous. Yeah, that's that is like the power couple. They are number one seed right now. Like it's it's hard to beat those two together. They both ride very powerful dragons. They have kids that already ride dragons. Like they're they're going to be a force. You know, absolutely. No, they're 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 the one seed, and I wouldn't want to be the eight right now. Um, kids might be bastards, and they might even pop out their own Valyrian, Valyrian, Valyrian blonde-haired blood. Um, talking about some pure blood coming out of them. So, yeah, you know, <laughs> hey, something something to be weary of. Yeah, it's it's going to be like, where is this going to go? We know it's going to, but we don't know what's going to happen. Once we know something's about to blow up, we don't, like, I don't know what's going to happen. Like, I've read the books, but, like, looking where it is now, I don't think, I don't know how you can see how this is going to play out, which I love. I, absolutely. I, I love that, too, and I love... Yeah, you know, initially I thought the show was going to be one season just because it's kind of the trend, you know, mini series, limited series. Um, but we're looking at three seasons, I believe, three to four. Yeah, yeah. So I'm excited to see this conflict play out a little bit longer. Um, but final scene I want to talk about. We kind of just touched on the end of it. Uh, Lenor and Carl escaping, right? So my mom was confused. I saw on the internet people were a little confused at first that um what happened so damon goes to talk to carl and gives him some money and like there's an indication that he's given him money to kill lenor but there's a plan for to pay him to fake the death and escape to essos and where we get that evidence is when damon is old-fashioned choking a dude out on the steps that's the dude they burn that's when you're like oh they were in on the plan yeah when damon puts on that cloak like yeah. Shit's gonna happen. Yeah, there's Hoodie Mellow and then there's yeah. Hoodie Damon, right? It's like Damon, yeah. Stay back. That dude that dude means business. I love how oversized it is too. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's great. Yeah. Uh, no, Matt Smith never shows he's the most ambiguous actor ever, and I think the hood really, really adds to that. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I really like that, and I think that like made Rhaenyra such Rhaenyra's an all time Game of Thrones character and it just made me like her a little more. I love that they took that liberty and let Lenor just live a happy life. You know, that doesn't happen much in Game of Thrones. No. Uh, that was a nice touch. <laughs> yeah, like like Lenor, oh, he made a good decision. Yeah, you know, he, got, he got out. That's that's what you always do. Like what Hot Pie did, if you remember Hot Pie. Hot yeah. Pie got out. <laughs> for- sometimes you can cash out. <laughs> Right, he had his fun. He was a rich yes. knight. He enjoyed yeah. all the splendor. He got married to the heir to the Iron Throne. He did it all. And now let's go out. Let's go east, my friend. Yep, yep. It's it's a good life. I mean, if any realistic human was living, they'd take that deal. Yeah. 
Well, we see in Game of Thrones, especially with Arya's um, journeys in Essos, I think Essos is a much better place to live. Yeah, that's like such a cool part. We don't even know what, like, we have so little Essos knowledge. Like, Danny, Danny really carried that Essos story. And that's true. I was in Marine, like, we don't really see a lot of Pento stuff. Um, like, it's there's just so much out there, you know? God, yeah, I'm excited. I can't wait for a series over there. Um, but some thoughts on that Leonard Carl thing. So, like I said, I love the dragon. So, Sea Smoke, Leonard's dragon, is still alive, right? And you can't bond with the dragon while its dragon rider is still alive. My question is, do you think that would lead to anything? Do you think Leonard comes back? Do you know what happens? Or is this... Um, yeah, I... I... You can plead the fifth. Yeah, I'm going to plead the fifth there, because that, I think the way that happens is a really interesting, like that goes into more lore and okay. I really, it's cool. It's going to be like some really great game of Thrones characters come from like what's about to happen. I have, I have a prediction about what's going to happen with sea smoke. I'd love to hear it. So I, you know, there's a thought to sea smoke, follow Leonard to Essos. Does that give away that he is a Valerian um, and do people pick up on it from there? Or does Sea Smoke stay and wait for him? And then someone tries to ride Sea Smoke, dies from it, can't ride Sea Smoke, can't bond with it. And that means that means Lenor is still alive. Yeah. Is he alive? And then people question it. And I, he's coming back. Like, spoiler, it's not a spoiler. You don't send someone off free yeah. that big of a character. He's not. He's coming back. You don't, cut his, his, you don't cut his hair and then send him off. Like he cut his hair, he's gonna go live a new life. But yeah, I, 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 he'll be back. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. Like who knows? But he's like he's he's a pretty big deal. He's the hair. Well, I guess he's not anymore because most people think he's dead. But he's the hair of a pretty powerful seed. Yes, and he was supposed to be king consort. So it's like, uh, it, yeah, I, I, it. Spoiler, it's not a spoiler. You guys should be able to pick up on that. He's coming back. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I thought in general, I mean, we talked about our scenes there. This was my favorite episode. We said it was your favorite episode. I thought that 30-30 split, pure mm-hmm. politicking and classic thrones, and then just getting a dragon riding scene, a fighting scene, the infighting scene. Yeah. And we get the conversation between Allison and Otto, and then the finish it. We get the marriage between Damon and Rhaenyra. We get the conversation with Damon and Rhaenyra intercut with Laenor and Carl escaping. It's like, oh, all that fit in an hour? This is awesome. <laughs> oh, yeah. I I can't wait for episode eight. Say goodbye. Do you have any like takes on like the kid actors that are gone? We only got two episodes with them. Yeah, so Jace, Luke, um, and then Eamon, Aegon, and Helena are all going to be scrapped. Uh, we see eyepatch Eamon. He looks terrifying. We see new Aegon, who, you know what? I thought Aegon was going to be more of a prick than he has been. Does that mean he's going to be a prick? I don't know. Or maybe he just cares about girls and drinking. And his brother is the power-hungry one. That's kind of where yeah. I'm leaning. Aegon just seems like, like a rich kid. Like, yeah. just, he's not really into the whole... I think he knows the throne will be... I think he's very arrogant, so he knows the throne will be his one day. But I don't think he understands there's very serious threats to that. Um, yeah, I, I mean, we saw when his mom, Allison, pulled him out when he was wanking one out the window that's like, you're going to be king. And he's like, okay. Right, like he's not worried about it. He doesn't know what that means. And, you know, Allison's only having that conversation because her dad in the pouring rain, very impactful scene, was like, there's going to be war. Prepare Aegon to rule. And it's like, Aegon doesn't know that he's just like no and he's like oh I'm gonna have to fight Rhaenyra this is what this is gonna come down to so you know seasons will play out we'll see how he grows up and develops yeah 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 I I can't wait to see how they do it looks like I mean obviously the whole Aemon stuff is him sword fighting and kicking ass um so it's kind of clear what he's gonna be but I don't like what about you know the uh Rhaenyra's three kids like, we don't know how they're going to turn out. You know, are they going to be, like, all about it? Are they going to be afraid? We, we don't know. You know, yeah, it's, I, it's almost like meeting new characters again. 
That's true. They, they grew up a little bit. I worry for Jason and Luke. I do. They're both bastards. It's both clear that they're bastards, and they both know that they're bastards. Does that put a chip on their shoulder? I don't know. But <laughs> as of now, it doesn't look like anyone's getting through Aemon in the trailer. You see with the sword going, like, you know, like, come here, like, twisting it. It's like, oh, fuck. That's an eye patch. You don't fuck, you don't fuck with bald dudes, and you don't fuck with dudes with eye patches. Yeah, I think Aemon is someone that is just hyper-focused. And he was hyper-focused on getting a dragon, and he got the best dragon. And now he's hyper-focused on... I think Aemon, Aemon like, realized, holy shit, there's going to be a war. And I think he's been hyper-focusing on that, and now he's going to be the best at fighting that war. That's just what he does. It's, it's, it's a good one. It's something to pay attention to, as his brother might not be such a fighter. This is Does Aemon defend Aegon a lot and maybe get Aegon into issues. Yeah. Something to note. Also, um, young Joffrey too. Joffrey's the third of Rhaenyra's kids. Right, we have a baby to grow. A little triggering to the fan base, but I don't know if you picked up on it, but Joff, the guy Kristen Colt beat to death, Lainor's right. lover, was named Joffrey, so that's why he's named Joffrey. Yeah, and that was like uh, Lainor's like, we're naming him Joffrey, and Rhaenyra's like, are we? Sure. And he's like, I get to name one. <laughs> I get to pick one of them, and I'm going to do it for my my dead lover. Um, <laughs> poor guy, Lainor had been through. Yeah, man, I really, Lainor was like, it's very rare you watch Game of Thrones and you're like, good guy. Lainor's a good guy. He is, no doubt. Um, all right, so, you know, once again, great episode. Um, wrapping it up, any final takes? You know, I don't want any predictions out of you. Maybe maybe a slight, slight prediction from you, but, you know, like I, one thing I wanted to say, I think I touched on a lot of the things I wanted to touch on, but Game of Thrones, it's episode eight, nine, and 10, probably. Thrones is typical. Nine is going to be the peak of the conflict. 10 is going to continue the conflict, wrap up, and push us to season two. Nine is usually where we get the, the precipice, the peak of all of this. So we're not far from it. So that means eight's going to tee it up. Nine's going to hit the home run. Ten, let's continue with that home run and bring it in a little bit. So I want people to get ready. Guys, this is no more building up. We're The, old, the young actors are gone. The first five episodes are done. That was so worth The first five episodes were so worth it because the payoff yeah. has been magical and it's only going to get better. So prepare for these next three. Yeah, I guess my prediction is you're going to really like it. <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna have a lot of fun I'm, I'm so excited i'm gonna have a lot of fun if you've read the books like enjoy it don't be a sourpuss and be like well i was in the books like it's fun yeah it's tv and they're doing a good job they're making great tv uh yep. ramen dewandi's been back with the music the music this episode was fantastic yeah, um that's hard to hear, like fire music like that horn thing i yeah. did notice a little bit when uh Amond was riding vagar you got a little bit of oh, yeah a little fire and blood man yeah so uh that was um the music cues have been there cinematography acting's amazing like think about these kid actors like yeah. i just always forget that game of thrones is a show and it's not real because like you know the acting's been great the music's been great cinematography the show's been amazing <laughs> shout out to amon's actor that kid was awesome He's not the best, but he was phenomenal. I think he did a good job of like his his like that that snap, like that change of yeah. his insecurity of the dragon was gone and it didn't feel forced. And he's like, uh oh, uh oh, you guys are like maybe I am a Targaryen, maybe I am a rich royal fuck. And guess what? Yeah. You're gonna find out. <laughs> you know what I love too is they haven't been like they've eased these really main characters in. Like I don't think anyone thought Larry Strong would be a huge character in episode two. And they've kind of eased him in over the years. It's not like I'm immediately on the scene. Like these characters are growing up. So you get introduced. Same with Amon. Like, yeah. Easing these kids in to what's going to be like their story as well as their parents. No, I, that's a great point. And episode one, episode two, did you, we didn't know these kids would exist. Oh, yeah. maybe the show's more about the kids than we thought. Maybe we just got set up for these kids. And, um, I think the show is going to be a lot about these kids. Like you said, it's this generational conflict. Once Viserys kicks the bucket soon, um, you know, it, it's going to be a little more focused about the younger people. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, are there some like are there families you miss? Like it was I like for me it was really good to see the Lannisters. Like oh, yeah. I enjoyed seeing the blonde hair. Like oh yeah. I instantly didn't trust the guy, knew he had bad intentions. Uh, yeah. for me I was like, I, I missed you guys. It's good to no, see you. S- you said that early in the episode, like you like seeing all the families and yeah. hearing about the castles. Like uh dude, just seeing how Sparathian was enough for me. Uh yep. but getting Jason Lannister yeah, I love Jason. Uh, yeah. He's a perfect sort of prick. And guess what? He's going to have a role, right? Obviously not this major role, but is he going to be on his side? Is he going to be rich? Is he going to have ships? Whatever it may be, uh, is he still love Rhaenyra? So I just thought of that, you know? Yeah. Where, where will he lie? We haven't even talked about the Starks. Oh. Starks are still out there in the North, man. Right, because we forget that, like, Vizera says this infighting, this fight has been so tight and internal, so mm-hmm. much up in the Red Keep. They're ruling Westeros right now. And if this becomes a war for the throne, Westeros is going to get involved. Yeah, you'll see all your friends. It's going to be fun. Oh, man, I can't wait. All right, yeah. that's perfect. Oh, man, I can't wait. <laughs> I'm excited, Dad. Yeah. Hey, the show, it's big budget, it's HBO at its finest, pure HBO. So, um, yeah, that's about wraps it up for episode seven, Driftmark. Um, yeah, let us know anyone else's thoughts on this episode. Me and Thomas both thought it was the best. Um, I think we pretty much wrapped it up there with our final thoughts. So, yeah, uh, thank you, Thomas, special guest, reoccurring guest, and special co-host for this episode. We appreciate it. Hunter will be upset, but he'll live. Um, I think that's on Hunter. You know? Yeah. Uh, I saw my chance and I took it. That's what Dance of Dragons is about, man. I saw my chance for the throne and here I am. Right. Is Hunter is Hunter weak? Is he, he's I, not I, playing I, the game. I my daughter to this sick, ugly king. And it, you know, it was a hard 20 years, but here I am. <laughs> yeah. Hunter's sick. This is my chance. Oh, man. The Maesters. Oh, the Maesters don't like him. I don't trust the Maesters. I talked about that. I don't trust them. You know, I worry about what they're doing with my dear Hunter. Yeah, he's he's in trouble. He's in trouble. <laughs> I think I, I think I heard the reins of Castamere when he started. Oh god, those doors locked. Yeah. <laughs> I can't. All right. Um. Yes. Gods be good too, Hunter. I hope the Maesters treat you well. Yeah. No doubt. Um. Thomas, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Um. And hopefully we'll have you come on again soon. Maybe talk about Dragon again or, um, I don't know, something else. Yeah, anything, man. Team House Strong. Ah, I think we lost Thomas there in the last second. That's it. That's the end of the episode. Uh, Thanks again, folks. Just know what this about. Palm trees, oceans, fresh air.